Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today we're talking energy and industrials. It's Thursday the 10th of May and we'll be discussing Ford. I'm your host Sarah Priestley and joining me on Skype is Motley Fool contributor and senior auto specialist John Rosevere. John, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, sir? I'm good. Uh, I was just telling you, very excited that it's almost Friday. Um, we have a food truck festival going on near the office, so it's it's all the good things today. Oh, good. Oh, good. Um, so, uh, recently we've seen a lot of headlines around Ford. Um, a couple of my favorites. Ford is basically giving up on the U.S. car business, and GM is not far behind. Second favorite, Ford to kill Fusion, Taurus, and Fiesta cars to make way for more SUVs. Um, so we've seen a huge amount of attention on Ford's plan to reduce its passion to car lineup and refocus on its larger vehicles, which is kind of all part of this trend towards SUVs and pickups crossovers that we've seen in the US and that we've actually talked on this show um, about before. Uh, According to industry forecasts in three years time, 73% of all consumer vehicles in the US are expected to be utility vehicles of some sort. Um, Only 27% obviously cars. This is overall, so company specifics are actually much higher. Ford at 90%, GM at 84%, FCVs, crossovers and trucks. Um, But John, I kind of wanted to get your expert opinion and kind of peek behind the curtain a bit. What's actually going on behind these headlines? Well, what's really happening is, I mean, Ford has this global portfolio of models, and some of them they make in some regions, and some they make in many regions. Uh, what they're doing is eliminating uh, essentially all of it, all of their sedan models from the lineup in North America, Canada, U.S., Mexico. Uh, production of the little Fiesta for North America, it's built in Mexico. That ends next May, 2019. Uh, focus production has already ended uh last week, I think, uh, along with the C-Max, which was built on the same production line uh, in Michigan. That factory is not closing. That's where they're going to build the Ranger pickup later this year. Uh, And then the Bronco SUV, the all-new revived Bronco off-road SUV is coming next year. And there may be a third, there is is a third smaller off-road SUV in the works too. It may be called the Maverick, reviving another name from the 70s. Mm -hmm. That may be built in the same place. It's not clear yet. Uh, But uh, the focus won't completely go away. They're going to import one variant of the all new next generation focus uh, from China. It's called the focus active. And it's kind of, if you imagine a focus given the Subaru Outback treatment, that's the focus <laughs> active. So, so, you know, it's, it's a crossover focus. Um, the fusion, the midsize sedan, uh, Fusion was such a big deal when it was introduced mm-hmm. several years ago. It was it was Ford finally going head to head with a product that could rival the Accord and Camry. Uh, it was gorgeous. It was well regarded. It sold like hotcakes. Sales have trailed way off. Uh, Ford is is giving the Fusion a mild update for 2019, and I mean really mild, some trim changes and stuff like that. Uh, and then it goes away entirely, uh, at least for North America, in probably 2021. There was an all-new Fusion under development. Uh, it will not be launched in North America. It is not clear um, whether it will be sold overseas. The Fusion uh, is... And identical in all but name and a few details to another Ford sedan called the Mondeo, which is sold in Europe and China. It's the same car. Uh, Not clear what's happening to the Mondeo either. So we'll find out. Uh, The big Ford Taurus, legendary name. Sales have been tiny in recent years. Uh, That ends sometime fairly soon. Uh, Ford hasn't given a date yet. That's built in Chicago Assembly, uh, a factory near Chicago, which also builds the Explorer. There is an all-new Explorer coming 
uh, and a new uh, Lincoln uh, built on the same architecture as the all-new Explorer called the Aviator. Uh, the Aviator launches sometime next year. We believe the Explorer will launch sometime next year, too. Uh, the factory is just going to build more Explorers in the new Aviator, uh, and that will fill in any gap left by the end of the Taurus. Mm -hmm. Ford is saying nobody's going to get laid off, nothing like that. They're going to be plenty busy. Uh, the Mustang is Ford's other car, of course. That's not going anywhere. Uh, Mustang num sales numbers are actually not all that huge, but it's such an important brand builder for yeah, Ford. Yeah, it's iconic. I, I mean, they, I, they, they only build it in Michigan. They export it all over the world. Uh, you know, it's it's the aspirational car. It's the car that Ford fans want. Uh, everybody has a story about a Mustang. Uh, there, there were these enthusiasts in Europe who waited years and years for Ford to sell it there. Ford finally sells it there. It's been a big deal. Uh, that's not going away. Um, unclear. There is a next generation Mustang coming in two or three years, not clear what else is going on at that factory. Also not clear what's happening with Lincoln's two sedans. Uh, back in March, which uh, might have been a thousand years ago in Ford time, I don't know, but it was only about five, six weeks ago, Lincoln's president, uh, Joy Filatico, told me that they aren't getting rid of the sedans anytime soon. In fact, they, they the Continental is practically all new. Uh, and the smaller sedan, the MKZ, uh, was just given a big... Uh, facelift but the mkz is built um at the same on the same production lines as the as the fusion so it's not clear what's going to happen there mm -hmm. uh, there have been rumors and suggestions and tidbits of news from suppliers suggesting strongly that there is an all-new continental under development oh. uh, it may be rear-wheel drive it may have the famous suicide doors that the early 60s continentals had the iconic lincoln continentals that's where the rear door opens backwards mm -hmm. so that if you visualize the size of a side of a four-door they open up like one big opening mm -hmm. and and it makes it easy to get in and out uh that may be a rear-wheel drive vehicle. Uh, the Continental right now is built at the same factory as the Mustang. The, the Continental and the all-new Mustang may share architecture. We're not sure yet. But we don't think the Continental's going away. Not clear about the MKZ uh, after three, four years from now, but it'll be around for at least a while longer. Excellent. So there's a lot of developments. And you mentioned yes. the Ford, Ford Fusion. I actually remember that. Uh, the floor around that, it was my company car when I was working in the Midwest and I loved it. Um, so kind of sad to see that go, but um, it's important to kind of put all of this into context because cars are, are still a big part of the market outside of North America. I know back home in the UK, you know, you just don't see as many, it, it, the trend is there too, but you don't see as many of these big trucks and crossovers purely because our roads can't really accommodate them. Exactly. Uh, in fact, the UK, I don't remember whether it's the Fiesta or the Focus that is the best-selling car in the UK, but it's one of them. Mm -hmm. Either way, the Fiesta and the Focus are both huge sellers for Ford throughout Europe, uh, particularly in Western Europe. Uh, they get optioned up. They sell at good margins. It's kind of a different business than what we see in the United States, even though it's the same basic cars. Ford launched an all-new Fiesta in Europe last year. Uh, it's getting very good reviews and selling quite well. Uh, all-new Focus has been shown. It's coming later this year. These are models that are not, except for that one Focus Active, are not coming to the United States at all, but they're all new models. Uh, so Ford continued development of these vehicles and is launching them there. It will launch the Focus in China, too. I'm not sure if the Fiesta gets launched in China, but it will be launched in, in some other uh, Asian markets. I know they sell it in Thailand and some other places as well. Uh, we don't know what's happening with the Fusion. Uh, the Taurus, that ship already sailed. There, There is an all-new Taurus. The current Taurus in the United States was launched in like 2009 or 2010. It's actually a very dated model. Ford did an all-new Taurus. It was launched in China in 2016. It looks like a big fusion. 
Uh, it's mechanically related to the Lincoln Continental. It did it did well for them for a while. Sales have trailed off a bit, uh, but Ford has never announced plans to launch it here. And and uh, I don't know what the deal was with mm-hmm. that. Maybe they maybe the plan to discontinue the Taurus has been in the works for a while, mm-hmm. uh, but. Um, Ford isn't global. The, the takeaway is that Ford has not abandoned cars, sedans globally, mm-hmm. uh, but yep. it is it is not going to sell them in the United States, at least for the next little while. Yeah. So this, is, as you said, this isn't the total abandonment that a lot of the headlines have presented. Um, it's more of a case of Ford and GM playing up to their current strength. And Jim Farley, Ford's president of global markets, called uh, their new lineup authentic off-roaders. And it looks very compelling. And the F-Series trucks, they sold 73,000 last month, uh, 12th consecutive month of sales gains. The Expedition, which still has that kind of newness factor, but uh, the average Expedition spent just 12 days on the lot during April's uh, sales and trading statement. Um, But I think it's just really important for people to know that like 75% of the sales for Ford are coming from trucks and vans. um, And they have this whole, you know, commercial aspect that a lot of people tend to overlook. So... The move kind of makes sense, you know, with all the caveats that uh, go with that. But the market's reaction has been so tepid. The stock is down 11% since the start of the year. And obviously some of that is other factors too. But, um, you know, what's what's the, what's the kind of the investor reaction on this? Um, I, I think the reaction to this specific issue has been subdued. There's a larger issue going on with Ford. Uh, they got. They fired CEO Mark Fields last May and mm-hmm. replaced him with Jim Hackett, who came uh, to Ford from outside of the auto industry. He was with Steelcase. He ran Steelcase for years. Uh, very tech-minded, very futurist, uh, very much a deep thinker kind of guy. Ford has been working on this big plan to improve its profitability and improve what Hackett calls its fitness globally. We've seen bits and pieces of it, but Ford has yet to really show us all their cards and show the plan and tell us exactly where they're going. And I think investor, I, I, I think in, uh, when you listen to Wall Street analysts on the call, I think patience is being tested. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of what's going on with the stock right now, that, that institutional investors are backing away a little bit. And I... I between you, me, and our large audience, I think Ford needs to do something about that. And I've, I've said as much to Ford, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um, it, it it's an issue. It's an issue. I, I think this confuses a lot of people. This latest development where they're getting rid of the sedans. Uh, to think about this from a shareholder's perspective, Ford has a a given number of factories in North America that can build vehicles for North America. Uh, building new factories is really expensive. It's not going to do that anytime soon. Uh, SUVs sell with larger profit margins than sedans mm-hmm. do, generally speaking. I think what Ford is saying is one way to boost our margins in a hurry in a market that's mad for SUVs is to just blast SUVs out of all our North American factories. Yep. I think I think if you look at it with that simplicity, the plan starts to make sense. It does. And I think, like you said, Jim Hackett is essentially betting that the profits gained from this rise in the average selling price and the average transaction price um, is going to accommodate for the moving away, the sales for the sedans. And they're heavily incentivizing a lot of the sales of these sedans um, because it's such a uh, commoditized market. And Jim Farley said this. He said it just won't be traditional silhouetted sedans that tend to be commoditized that they're going to develop. And that makes, you know, sense because it's really become such a hotbed of competition um, and the only right. way and, and Ford is also suffering here from the focus fusion and Fiesta are all dated models mm-hmm. 
and like I said, they've already introduced the all new ones, uh, all new Fiesta overseas, and the all new Focus is being rolled out shortly. Uh, there would probably have been in the plan an all new Fusion next year or the year after. Uh, certainly, we'd be hearing about it by now. But and they're competing against uh, the Camry and Accord were were heavily redone, uh, all new for for 2017, both of them, I think. And and Ford Ford was a step ahead when the Fusion was first launched several years ago. Now it's kind of a step behind, so it has to ramp up incentives, especially in that category, midsize sedans where sales are so huge, and a lot of those cars get sold on price. Yep. Absolutely. Monthly payment. Um, so, how were the the sales across the board um, for the automakers in April? Well, okay, Ford sale, Ford's U.S. sales were down, uh, I think, four point seven percent. Pickups are still doing well. The sedans are down. Uh, SUVs are more or less a wash. Uh, the thing about Ford's SUVs right now is they're just in a tricky spot in their product cycle. The Explorer and Escape. Are, are their mainstay SUVs. Those are the names everybody knows. They're still doing well. Uh, they, they're still selling in strong numbers, but they're both dated models. All new ones are coming next year. And it's that thing where uh, all new models tend to command the highest prices, get the biggest margins, get the most sales interest, and then interest kind of tails off over a model's life cycle. Those two are just near the end of their life cycle. So they're, they're not seeing the sales growth in SUVs uh, that that some other companies who have newer products uh, competing against, uh, you know, the Toyota has a new Rav Four, for instance, you know, that's doing well. Um, whereas the Escape has slipped back a bit, uh, but but you know that's just ordinary course of business in autos. Uh, Toyota sales were also down about the same amount, just under five percent. Uh, they have they have been the the Camry has been kind of the exception to the everybody's walking away from sedan rules. Recently, uh, it has sold surprisingly well. Toyota has been aggressive on price, and it's a very good product. It was all new last year, uh, but Camry sales are starting to slip. They're down almost ten percent from a year ago uh, in April. Honda was down nine point two percent overall. Um, but again, they 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 have an all new Accord, but it has really lost ground to the Camry, and I think it's because Toyota has been more aggressive on pricing. Uh, Honda's tried to move the Accord up market a little bit to improve margins, and and that hasn't drawn the number of buyers that perhaps they hoped. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nissan took a big hit. Uh, Nissan sales boomed for a while because they were very aggressive with pricing and incentives, uh, offering the best deal out the door. Uh, that gave them big sales gains, but but kind of crunch their margins. I mean, they weren't getting anything like the operating margins in North America that we're seeing from from Ford or even from like Honda. Uh, they're trying to cut back on all of that and and to get better pricing. Uh, and they were also, I mean, they're selling a lot of cars to rental car fleets, which was a business that Ford and GM have pulled away from. So there was an opportunity, but those are low profit margin sales. You sell cars in bulk in batches. Uh, it's trying to roll back all of that. Its U.S. sales were down 28% last month, and, and it's it's really sort of adjusting and resetting here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fiat Chrysler did great. Fiat Chrysler already gave up its mainstream car models uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, they're selling Jeeps, 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 and more Jeeps. Also, <laughs> some, also, somewhat surprisingly, the Dodge Mini, the Dodge Caravan minivan had a great month in April. Its sales were, were up quite a bit. Uh, the last big name on our list is GM. They have given up reporting monthly sales. They have mm-hmm. gone to quarterly reporting. Um, but of course, Bloomberg talked to people inside GM and the dealers and got the story that their sales were down probably two and a half percent to three percent in April. And with GM, the story is similar to Ford. Uh, G- GM's big pickups, the Chevy Silverado and GMC Sierra, 
Uh, all new ones are coming at the end of the year. So they're selling down basically the last of the old ones. They're still making them, but only for a little while longer uh, at big discounts. You know, moving them out, the tooling is all paid off. They can afford to take discounts on them and sell them aggressively on price. Where GM's story is shining are on crossover SUVs. They've, over the last few years, launched a complete new line of crossover SUVs across uh, all four of their U.S. brands, Buick, Cadillac, Chevrolet, and GMC. There are like nine or ten new models. They're all doing well. The Chevy Equinox, in particular, has been racking up huge sales. Uh, and and these are products that are... Uh, very much up to date, very competitive, and designed around profitability, which is one of uh, CEO Mary Barra's things. Mm -hmm. These are more profitable than the products they replace, both because they have more appealing options that encourage people to buy more expensive versions, and also just because of various manufacturing innovations. Uh, this has been a big story for GM. It's driven them to some very good margins, and they expect that to continue even as they go through the expensive transition uh, to the all-new trucks. They expect the crossovers to keep their margins fairly strong. So far, so good. Yeah, that would be impressive. Um, so I think a lot of the market fear around the moves that they're making is the, the worry that they're kind of making the same mistakes that they have previously made when they emphasize their high-profit truck businesses and slowed investment in fuel-efficient vehicles and then you know getting caught out when gas prices rose. Um, Jim Farley addressed this. He said, uh, it is our plan that these new vehicles will give our customers utility benefits without the penalty of fuel economy. In fact, they get great fuel economy. Um, so do you think that the innovation is really there? Because, you know, we're seeing fuel prices begin to creep up again. Um, it's a valid concern. Uh, do you think that they're, they're addressing it? Well, there are a few things here that that if you grab P Ford people and talk to them on background or whatever, that they'll tell you uh, that they're thinking. I mean, first and foremost, uh, all of Ford's SUVs and, and, and pickups even are considerably more fuel efficient than they were a decade ago. Second of all, we talk a lot about crossovers, which is sort of an SUV-shaped vehicle built on a structure more like a sedan's. Uh, these are different from the big truck-based SUVs that were popular 15 years ago uh, that were based on pickup truck chassis. They're lighter in weight, they drive more like cars, and they're more fuel efficient. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, a modern Ford Explorer gets considerably better fuel economy than a 2005 Ford Explorer, for instance. Yep. Ford is also saying we've got a small, you know, we've got a small crossover, the new EcoSport. Uh, Ford is also investing in, uh, there are going to be a whole bunch of new hybrids. For instance, the next generation Explorer will be available as a hybrid. There's never been an wow. Explorer hybrid before. They're going to do a hybrid F-150 for, I think, 2020. This is this is all in the works. Mm -hmm. I mean, so there's that, too. If there's a concern, well, you know, we've got hybrids. And they've got pure electric cars coming, too. The last thing, of course, is that if they've really got to all of a sudden sell focuses and fiestas here, they can import them while they get factories set up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're building them in huge numbers. Uh, the focus will be built in huge numbers in China. Uh, Fiesta, I believe, in Thailand as well as Europe and, of course, the European factories uh, mm -hmm. as well. They could they could arrange to have some here uh, in a matter of not years, but. I mean, it would take several months to get everything set up and the supply chain set up and get them distributed and so forth. But we're not talking years. They could respond in auto industry terms fairly quickly if they really needed to have small cars in the U.S. again. Um, you know, it could be done. Absolutely. It's not it's, it's not like development has stopped on the Focus and Fiesta, they're, you know, because they're mm -hmm. so important in Europe and to a lesser extent in China. Yep. Um, one kind of near term headwind that I wanted to ask you about, because it's kind of 
it's been a big news topic recently. The uh, F-150 plant in Michigan that's facing or potentially weeks of downtime after uh, the fire damaged the premises of a part supplier, Meridian Lightweight Technology. It looks like it might actually also cause issues for the Missouri production plant. So, you know, we've talked a lot about how um, these these trucks, the high-end trucks are kind of demanding a higher value and getting more margin for the company. Um, if these plants are off too long, it's between 10,000 and 15,000 F-150s a week that's out of the supply chain. Uh, apparently there's around a quarter of a million F-150s in the dealer network. So, I mean, I don't think investors should be too worried about this, um, but what's your take? Well, we have to look as investors, we have to look at both sales and shipments. Ford books revenue when a vehicle is shipped to a dealer. Uh, but then the dealer, which is an independent business, these are franchises, uh, then sells it on. And then Ford counts the sales after the dealer sells the car to a, or truck to a customer. Uh, the dealers have plenty of inventory of F-150s. All of, the, all of the Detroit automakers keep big inventories of their full-size pickups because they sell in huge numbers and because they're, they, they're available in so many different combinations, two-wheel drive, four-wheel drive, crew cab, club cab, short bed, long bed, heavy duty, extra heavy duty, you know, all the, uh, more so than with cars. So inventories of trucks have always been higher. That's that's seen as the right way to do business with trucks, to keep around a 90-day supply, whereas you want to aim at more like a 60 to 70-day supply with a sedan or a crossover. Uh, so there are plenty out in dealer lots. Ford uh, held a press conference last night. One of the things they said is, we don't think, you know, we are going to lose some production, uh, but we don't think we will be able to make that up in the long run. And we don't think customers coming to dealers are really going to notice. We think that just about everybody who wants a new Ford truck is going to be able to find the one they want because we've got plenty in inventory for the time being. And we will make up uh, the lost production as necessary once we've got this this part supply issue worked out, which we don't have an ETA on that yet, but we, we think it's sooner rather than later. It was quite a fire at the factory. I've seen photos of it. The, the factory took significant damage. Um, apparently, uh, Ford was able to get some of it, the tooling for its specific parts out of this factory. The question is whether that can be set up somewhere else or whether they need to repair, wait for repairs to this particular factory or what. But, but, uh, Ford is moving aggressively to restore supply of these parts. Uh, they will lose some production that will probably be visible in their second quarter results. Although 15,000 F-150s is not a ton, but if they lose 60,000, you're mm -hmm. going to see that in the second quarter North American results because yeah. they won't have the revenue from those trucks because they won't have shipped them. Uh, will they make that up in the third quarter? Yeah, absolutely. And and you know the workers of those factories will. Uh, We'll collect some overtime pay working weekends. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, they, a, they might need it. That's that's how it works. Yep. Um, and and you know that's good money. On the other hand, you don't want to lose weekends in the summer. But <laughs> but you know it, they it'll happen. They won't have trouble with it. Uh, it's just you know you may see effectively some revenue in North America get shifted from the second quarter to the third quarter, and we may have to rework our expectations for how the year unfolds. Mm -hmm. uh, long term, I don't think there's a big issue here. No. Uh, I don't think you're going to be driving droves of customers away because they can't find any F-150s. Yeah, people tend to be pretty loyal to their truck brands. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I think this is it's, it's a nightmare for any uh, manufacturer, especially if you've got a single source supplier to hear about something like this. But um, no, they seem to be dealing with it appropriately. Um, thank you so much for shedding all the light on uh, this Ford issue. I have one last uh, little question for you because I know that we're both uh, Aston Martin fans and they turned uh, their first profit since 2010 and they're considering going public. I just wondered, I just wanted to get your opinion on the potential, the rumored news. 
Well, nobody gets into a job like I've got without being a car enthusiast. Aston, <laughs> Aston is my great love. I, I, I had an Aston for a while, an old uh, 1977 V8 Vantage. Uh, I will have another one after my kids are out of college, I hope. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know uh, I, I just, you know, I watch the company closely. I'm a big fan of their current CEO, Andy Palmer, who came mm-hmm. from Nissan and has really put the company on course to profitability. They had a good year in 2017, uh, driven by uh, good results for a new model. They have another new model this year, an all-new V8 Vantage. Uh, it's just now rolling out. Uh, reviews have been very strong, and with Aston, that means it'll sell. Uh, I, I did a quick analysis. Uh, they released some... They've always been a private company, so we've never really had earnings reports to look at. But they released some limited 2017 numbers a couple months ago. And back in February, I did a comparison of what Aston told us about its performance in 2017 uh, with Ferrari, which has been such a – I mean, the stock has taken off since its IPO a few years mm-hmm. ago, uh, powered by the fact that Ferrari has huge profit margins. I mean, their operating margin of the first quarter was like 25%, which wow. is just – you know. Ford would love to get to 10%. <laughs> yeah. I, I, seriously. So, I mean, it's just, they're a luxury company that happens to sell cars, and that's the way to think of them. Uh, Aston's profitability is not quite at Ferrari's levels. Uh, it's probably well ahead of Ford's. Uh, they sold about 5,000 vehicles last year, whereas Ferrari did about 8,400. And yes, these numbers are tiny, but this is Aston Martin and Ferrari. <laughs> I mean, you know, these are little companies uh, compared to, you know, 70,000 F-150s a month and that kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> I, what, what I think Aston would tell you is that they're in a stable place. They have new models rolling out. They have a partnership with Daimler, which is supplying them with engines. For Aston used to be owned for, by Ford. They used to get their engines from a big Ford factory in Germany. Uh, that relationship has wound down or is winding down, and they're getting uh, a new generation, up-to-date, high-technology engines and some other parts uh, from Daimler, from Mercedes-Benz, effectively, uh, an engine design that's being built specifically for Aston. Um and so that's a good relationship. Daimler owns a small stake in Aston. Uh, they have new technology. They have an electric vehicle on the way. They, 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 they're pulling this together. They have a brand new factory in Wales. They're going to roll out an SUV, a luxury SUV, oh, wow. which I think is something Aston could get away with. Mm-hmm. And they're relaunching an old brand. Years ago, Aston Martin, years and years and years ago, they bought a maker of luxury sedans called Lagonda. Uh, and there have been Lagonda sedans on and off over the years. Uh, tiny volumes typically. In fact, the proper name of Aston is Aston Martin Lagonda Limited. Um, but they are relaunching a Lagonda uh, starting in about four years as an electric-only super luxury brand. Basically, if you've had the Tesla and you want to move upscale, that's where they want to be. <laughs> they want to be there waiting for you. More, more um, luxury you know, than Tesla. Yeah. When, when your $150,000 Tesla just isn't doing it for you anymore, <laughs> you can spend 400000 on a Lagonda. That's that's the vision, yeah. uh, right? And, and But anyway, all of this adds up to Aston has room to grow, mm-hmm. both in terms of margins and in terms of overall sales. The trick with any luxury company is how far do you grow sales before the the brand gets dented? Yes. Uh, Ferrari capped its sales at 8000 a year for a long time. They think now they can ease it up to 10000 uh, so far, so good. Their pricing has continued to be very strong. Uh, you know, if Aston could get into that neighborhood, Aston may never quite get to sort of Ferrari's level of, of super covetedness. But but if it can get into the ballpark, um, you know, there is there will be some upside to this if they go public. Uh, subject to the cycles of the global economy, of course, because of course. Um, you know, luxury luxury products 
behave in very interesting ways during economic downturns. Sometimes they're dented and sometimes they're not as dented as you think. And sometimes sales just fall off a cliff. And, I, and it sort of depends. Um, I, I think there's some upside for Aston. I think there's some really intriguing upside for Aston if it decides to go public. They have a couple of big investors who are are looking to exit now that Aston is stable and profitable. I, you know, these are these are um, private equity companies that want to go on to the next turnaround. Basically, mm -hmm. uh, there's no rush, uh, but whether Aston whether they exit uh, via an IPO or because uh, it's possible somebody could acquire Aston. It's possible Daimler could acquire Aston. And this is this is just hypothetical. I don't I don't see any explicit signs that something like that is in the works. Uh, but but there are a number of possibilities for where that happened. Mm -hmm. IPO is one of them. If it goes public, uh, I will definitely be taking a closer look at it as an investment, and not just because I like Aston's. <laughs> well, we'll definitely get you back on the show uh, if right. that if that becomes a reality. But thank you so much uh, for joining me today and imparting all your wisdom. Um, thank you for having me. No, thank you. And uh, that's it from us today. If you would like to get in touch, please feel free to email us at industryfocus at fool.com or tweet us on Twitter at MFIndustryFocus. Thank you to Austin Morgan for producing the show. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed. And The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. For John, I'm Sarah Priestley. Thanks for listening and Fool on. Mm -hmm.